while we still just remain in that posture, Lord, for, for just a few more moments. You know, all these songs have reminded us this morning of as we run to the Father, as we think about His goodness, as we ask Him to show us His face, and then we ask Him to reign upon us. You see, all these things that we've asked from the Lord this morning, so with us asking, you know, it says it's the, it is the Father's good pleasure. And it is the Father's good pleasure that He would give us His presence. That He would come this day. That He would abide with us. As we just begin to think for, for just a moment. Maybe there's been times that we've been caught in the rain. And, and in that moment in the rain, or maybe you've seen it on TV or something, that, that maybe they just begin to embrace that rain. You see, because there's nowhere for them to run, there's no shelter for them to seek. And as they no longer try to fight the fact that they're getting wet, but yet that they embrace the fullness of how you just, how they just release and as we have come here this morning we have come to submit to the will and to the heart of the Father to come today and just let him speak the very things that he has desired to speak to us today so much that God wants to desire to do just as we spoke about last week about the seed being placed with inside of us you see God is birthing a something new you know he said you can't put new wine into old wine skins that means we've got to be different there's something about us that has to change we got to move from being just committed to being submitted to walk his word out to walk out the obedience of what He's placed upon our heart. It doesn't matter how we look. It doesn't matter how people may feel about us. What matters is, are we obeying what He has spoken to us? So just take these few moments and just embrace the rain that He desires to pour upon you. We ask for the floodgates of heaven to be open here today to come and to do whatever it is that he desires to do. Just embrace his presence. Embrace the words that he speaks to your heart. Embrace the words that he's already spoken to you. You see, because he's not a man that he shall lie. You see, if the Lord's placed it upon your heart, then there's something that He's really desiring out of you. There's something more that He's seeking from you. There's something that's within inside of you that He wants to bring out. See, and that can only happen if we submit. Every time we resist, every time we resist, we only make it harder for ourselves. And we have to learn that our obedience becomes someone else's blessing. You just think of the one that led us to Christ, if they had not been obedient in what they had done, how much longer would the process have been delayed? 
You think about the people that God has led you to to speak. Sometimes just a small word that may not seem to be much to you. But through your obedience, it became a blessing for them. You see, if we're doing it for ourselves, then we're in it for the wrong reasons. Everything that we do must be based through the cross. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us today. Rain upon us. Rain upon us the showers of God's presence. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. The very words that you've spoken to us have became life. Spend the next moment or just the next moment or two by yourself between you and God. God knows your heart better than anybody else does. So what you ask from for God today in this message, in, in this time that we come to corporately gather here today, It's the Father's good pleasure. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, because you're worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Be glorified. We praise and honor you. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We reverence you, Lord, in our words. We reverence you, Lord, in our thoughts. We reverence you, Lord, in our actions. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are established here, Father. You are established here. We thank you. If you can or if you will, you may have your seats.
You know, I just, I, 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 I don't feel, I don't think, but I know it's just so important that we, we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in our every moment decision, in our, in, in our every waking thing that we do. You know, we've all heard a saying, and maybe some of the younger ones haven't, you know, but we, there used to be a saying that you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You know, but I just I, I just know for a fact that that's a lie from the devil. You see, because if the devil can keep us from thinking, if he can keep us from from dwelling on the most high, because Paul told us he said he said to bring every thought into captivity that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So Satan is always on the prowl. You know, it was just like, you know, I think it was Job, you know, you know that, that, that David, that, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that Satan was walking to and fro, looking for someone to devour. You see, he's like a lion, but only he has no teeth. You see, he's, only, he's always a, a duplicator and never the originator, you know, and we'll begin to see that in scripture here a little more today so I'm trying to I'm trying to give you a little slideshow because it's all part of my the 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 software that I'm using here today and and those that may be listening uh, via audio or via podcast you know I, I know you don't have that with you today but you'll have your Bibles and you'll be able to follow along with us and today I want to speak about I want to speak about the topic of what are you hungry for you know because sometimes we're hungry for something, but sometimes we try to we try to satisfy that with something other than a substance that we're really desiring. Sometimes we think we're hungry, hungry when the reality is that we're just really thirsty. You know, so the exercise is sometimes is hey, maybe drink you a bottle of water or drink you a glass of water before you try to go grab those Cheetos out of the cabinet. Or before you try to go grab those peanuts, in in my case, or some peanut butter, you know. But but the fact is 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 we're hungry for something, and the reality is that we're really hungry for our our spirit man is hunger for something more than what reality presents itself to be. So today I, I, we're going to be coming out of Matthew, Matthew chapter four verses one through eleven, and it reads this way. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of Man, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with your hand so that you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus responded, The scripture also says, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, 
Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came to take care of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word today. Lord, that this as this word will come forth, Lord, that I would just be your mouthpiece, Lord, that I would only speak the words that you've laid upon my heart. Lord, that I will only present the very things that you have placed with inside of me. Father, Lord, help me to follow your lead, Lord, here today. Lord, that I would just be a, a tool, Lord, that you would use. Lord, because a hammer can bring no glory to something that's been built. He was only a hammer that, that was just laying there waiting to be used. So, Lord, as I sit to the side, Lord, waiting for you to use me as you will. Lord, I submit my mind, my heart, my will, my lips, and my words unto you, Lord, today. Help these words, Lord, that they would go forward, Lord, and that they would not fall upon stony ground, that they would not fall upon rocky ground, that they would not fall upon the, th upon the thorns and the thistles, but, Lord, that they would fall on good soil. Lord, and good soil, Lord, is broken soil. Lord, as, this, as our hearts have been broken and melted this morning, Lord, by the presence of your Spirit, Lord, that as we move into to, to begin to receive the very word that is able to save our souls, Lord, give us the revelation of your heart, Lord, here today. Lord, help us, Lord, to hear your voice and not Pastor James's voice today. But, Lord, that we, as we hear it, Lord, that we would hear the revelation, Lord, and revelation brings forth transformation. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We bless you. We glorify you. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So if I could, I, I want to go back to verse one here, you know, and, and some of the key things that I want to point out here is that it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit. So as we refer back to Romans chapter eight, I believe it is, it, it, it speaks about those that are led by the spirit are the children of God. So when we begin to interpretate or interpolate, interpretate, translate, the word children is also son or daughter, but there's two Greek words, and one's weos and one's technon. And the children that he was talking about here was the mature children of God. And as we've spoken about this in, in times past, as we have spoken about this and may, maybe even last week. I don't know, sometimes I find it hard to, to remember what I spoke about last week because that's the thing about working and operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you just lose track of yourself and you just allow the words of God to begin to come out because me, myself, I really can't talk this much. I really can't say these many things, but I guess sometimes I can, but it's just because of what I'm hungry for. It's what I'm hungry for. So, so, so again, we pose the very same question here today is, what are you hungry for? You know, and as we're moving, as we are beginning day number seven of our fast and, and, you know, we're doing this corporately together, we all may have different types of fast, but the reality here is that we're fasting. And the fasting part is not that we get an answer to a prayer, but to show God our heart, to show God our sincerity of what we're really asking for. To say, God, hey, I'm serious about this. I need direction. I need instructions. So the reality here is, as we spoke about last week, you know, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. 
So when sometimes hearing is seeing, I preached a message about a year and a half ago is what well, was based out of Proverbs chapter four is, did you see what I said? And sometimes some, some people that just goes right over their head. Did you see what I said? In other words, did you see the words that I spoke? Did they become life? Did it show a picture? Did it paint a picture before your, before your very eyes? You know, so, and that's what we aim to do here each and every week. Uh, and each and in reality in each and every day is you're led by the Holy Spirit you know and it, but but we're going to get back here to verse one because man I, I did not start my timer so that means I still got 45 minutes um so <laughs> bless the Lord oh my soul so we get back to verse one of, of Matthew chapter four and said Jesus was led by the Spirit so we talked about being led by the Spirit if we could if we go to Luke, Chapter 4, verses 1. Here's what Luke the writer wrote. And it said, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, fully the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So, so he was full. So this was a leading that, that, that took place here. There was something that led him. You know, see, and, and Matthew, even though that he is a great writer, uh, Luke wrote with passion. Luke wrote with passion, even though Matthew was, was one of the disciples and Luke just became a disciple of one of the apostles, but Luke wrote with passion. You know, Luke also, uh, he was alongside with Paul and, and he helped uh, Paul write a few of his letters. Let, let, let's continue on here. Um, so how, how can we walk in the oracles and the commandments of God if we are not led by his spirit you know it's just like this fast the holy spirit led us on this fast you know so so with the holy spirit leading me and directing me on, on to do this so so what happened you caught the vision as well you know so so you were following the lead as well to be led by the spirit we must be filled by the holy spirit let's look at matthew um 3 and 16. After the baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and settle on him. Now, let's just go ahead and get this straight. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. It said, like a dove. Because if we learn, we look that the Greeks wrote, they, they, they wrote by, by phrases like, she runs like the wind. Have you ever seen anybody run like the wind? No. Or they run like a gazelle. And I'm just kind of pulling that out of Nacho Libro, the movie. But, but, the, but the reality here is that, they, that the Greeks spoke by phrases. So the phrase that they spoke here was that, uh, that they, uh, they saw the Spirit descend like a dove. In other words, it was graceful. The way the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus, it became graceful. So, but, but, what is that, but what does the example tell you here? That the feeling of the Holy Spirit becomes evident in our life. It becomes evident. It takes precedent over who we used to be. Can we continue on here? Hallelujah. So as we get to the, the next part of this, it said then Jesus, so, so we've already established about the Spirit. So, so uh, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm kind of working a foundation here, if I may. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we go to the next question here is what is the wilderness? Does anybody want to take a gander on that real fast? All right, let's continue on here. 
The complete word study dictionary says this, that a wilderness is a desolate desert or lonely place used as a noun and translated wilderness also with the meanings desert, desolate, or ways. So the reality here is that a wilderness is a dry, parched place. It's a place where not a lot of life is found other than animals. It's a place where it's hard to find or almost impossible to find anything to eat. It's almost impossible to find anything to drink. You see, it's a place where you're lonely. It's, it's a place where you're lonely. You know, in uh, you know, in First Peter one and six through seven, it says, "So be truly glad that there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must." Everybody say must. So, so is a must. Is that a recommendation? Is that a suggestion? That's a must. That means it's going to take place. So it's just like he 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 told Paul on the road to Damascus. He said, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Don't you know that it's hard to kick against the pricks? Don't you know it's hard to go against something that I've already established? You see, that just goes to show that that it's it's hard for anything to get in the way of what God wants to do in your life, except for we ourselves. So he didn't say, he didn't say, Saul, you know, why are you letting your, your, your Pharisee background interrupt what I've called you to do? He said, it's hard for you to kick against the prick. It's hard for you to go against what I want. And I'm kind of getting off my notes here a little bit, if I may. But, but let's continue here. He said, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Somebody say a little while. How long is a little while? How long is it? Well, the Bible says, uh, but the Bible says that a day is like a thousand, thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. So, what's the reality of what a little while is? A little while is what we may see. A little while may be fifteen minutes. It may be an hour. But we are not the one that says how long a little while is. We don't understand how long what a little while is. But here's exactly what Peter said, and it seemed to be such a contradicting, or it seemed to be an oxymoron, if I may. He said. It's wonderful joy ahead. You know, one translation, he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Count it all joy. Does that not just seem like an oxymoron? I mean, it's just like, it's two words or two situations that, that does not coincide with one another. It's just something that really should not take place. But let me continue on here. You know, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. And, and I love that, you know, as, as y'all have been with, well, all of you've been with me when I preached about or spoke about the refining fire, you know, and that's exactly what it does, that these trials show that your faith is genuine. See, so, so when we go through a refining fire, when we become refined, well, what does that do? It removes the impurities. It, it, it removes the what? What's that D word? Dross. It removes the dross from our life. The dross is the very things that has attached itself to that something that's pure and has made it impure. God wants to remove the dross out of our life. And the only way that we can do that is to go through the fire. But Peter even said that you must endure trials. We must. It's not an option. It's not a recommendation. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Let's continue here. That these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Um, I want to make sure I stay on the right. Am I not on the right slide? 
Okay, so these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. That, that is such a revelation there. You know, we, because if you look at gold, gold carries such a quality. It carries such a high demand for, you know, the price of gold is astronomical right now, as well as price of bread, the price of milk, the price of eggs, as you know, we found us an egg lady that, that will, we can purchase eggs from. And so, but, but thank never, you. thank you Jesus for that. But, but nevertheless, you know, it, it seems to be such an outrageous price, but, but Paul, but Peter, excuse me, man, sometimes I get Peter and Paul mixed up when I'm saying them because I get tongue twisted. But, but Peter made that statement <laughs> that our faith is far more precious than gold. It's far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole earth. So if we look at let's, let's look at it this way. The scripture says, as I believe it says in the book of Revelation, it says, those that endure to the end shall be what? They shall be saved. That means you have to endure. We have to endure trials. We have to endure trials, and this may this is what that little while is. This is what that little while is, because if we look at the life of Paul, you know, Paul continued as, as me and Brother Welton talked about this this morning. You know that the closer that Paul got with God, the more he realized just how dirty he was. You know, he considered himself the least of the saints. You know, and eventually he got he got to the end. He said, "I am the chief of all sinners." Not that not that Paul sinned but that his filthiness was no different than a sinner because of the flesh that we live in. As we spoke about earlier this morning, also about the book of Romans, you know, that the things that he desires not to do, he does do. And the things that he wants to do, he does, that his spirit desires to do, that he don't do. So there's, so there's always a constant battle between the spirit and the flesh. So, so we, got to, we got to get to this point. What are you hungry for? My dad gave me an example many, many, many years ago. I was probably about 13 years old, and my dad helped me uh, he tried to explain this to me the best way he can, and I know Dad will be listening to this podcast sometime down the road, so thank you for that nugget, Dad. But, but Daddy gave me a nugget, and he said this. He said, son, you got a dog. He said, you got two dogs. They're chained up outside. He said, one's called flesh, another's called spirit. And he said, whichever one you feed the most is going to be the one that's dominant. And that was an illustration that has always stuck out in my mind that becomes the reality of, of what are we feeding? What are we feeding? You know, I, I go back to Pastor Doug at Kingdom Impact, you know, one of his little mottos that he always spoke, he said, he said, what you feed, you fuel. What you feed, you fuel. You know, so whatever you're feeding, you're fueling it. You're, you're creating that flame to, to be as big as much as, you, as much as you feed it. So let me continue on here. We know that Jesus lived a sinless life, but we must acknowledge that Jesus was 100% God and that he was 100% human. We're all in agreement with that, right? That's what the scripture says. The human characteristics of Jesus had to be refined just like ours must be. And why is that? Because he was human as well. So, uh, so the wilderness that Jesus faced was the, the most perfect example of how we go through the wilderness or refinement. Let's see how Jesus handled the testing of the devil. 
in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. It says, During this time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become the loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. That has an exclamation point, right? That means he sincerely meant what he said. He spoke it. He spoke this word. He said, The scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that came or comes. Proceeded or proceeds. That, that's, that's present and future tense, right? So I just want to make sure that we get that straight, that this is exactly what Scripture has said here, that people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what that's saying to me is that God is still speaking to us today, but are we listening? What are we hungry for? Are we believing the lies that Satan has been feeding us for way too long? Or are we believing the truth of what God's word has spoken? How else will we know truth unless we're in this word? He didn't say read my word and show yourself approved. He said what? Study. He said study and show. Me, as, me and Brother Welton talked about that this morning. Studying just means to dig in, to dive in, to investigate. You know, if you begin to look in the book of Romans, you know, as Paul made his tracks, as he, you know, as he spoke about his mission trips, you know, or maybe it's in the book of Acts. I do apologize if I'm not totally correct on that, but it was in those, one of those two books, you know, that Paul went to a certain city and he began to preach. And, and it said the people in the congregation searched the scriptures to see if what he was saying was the truth. You see, we got too many Christians that are taking the preaching on Sundays, but they're not going home and, and reading that same word. They're, they don't know how to feed themselves, so what are they doing? What they really should be doing is they should be taking the word that the pastor has spoken on Sunday and to feast off that. Sometimes, you know, growing up maybe in a larger home, I'm not sure how many uh, siblings that you had growing up, Brother Welton, you know, but, but for me, there was, there, was four, there was four kids and then two parents. So on Sundays, what mama would do is she would cook a big old meal and come Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and maybe even almost Wednesday, we're still eating the same food. Well, what it, it, we're eating the remnants of it. We're eating the leftovers. And what it, it, it tastes the same. You might have got tired of it, but what did it do? It, it, it processed in your body and it created the very nourishments that we needed. You see, we got too many Christians that are getting fed on Sunday and then they don't eat again until Sunday. And you, you show me a person that eats one time a week that's getting ready to be attacked by a bigger person. You tell me how well they're going to defend themselves. They're not. You tell me a Christian that's not eating every Sunday. Maybe they eat every other Sunday. You tell me how well they're going to be able to defend themselves when the enemy attacks them. You see, what they don't have is they don't have the every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's so important that we get that, that we allow that to sink in, that God is still speaking, that God is still ministering to us here. You know, uh, Jesus' first test. Here, here's what Jesus' first test was the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. Jesus was in the fasting process, and as we all are aware of what it's like to be fasting, as we have spent the last seven days corporately interacting with one another uh, within light and likeness and in the same mind of fasting. You know, Jesus proclaimed his proclamation of the speaking word of God, uh, placed his desire with what he was led to do in the wilderness. It is the spoken word of God that, that we feast upon and not 
not the ways of our flesh. We feast on God's word and not our flesh. We go back to spirit and we go back to human. Whichever one you feed more is going to grow more. So let's continue here. Our flesh will cause us to be <coughs> deceived and to believe a lie. Just as Jesus was led by the Spirit to fast and to overcome the testing of his faith, or the, I'm sorry, the testing of his flesh. Please excuse me, I got that wrong. So next, we'll, next we will see here in Matthew 4, in 4, uh, uh, 4, 5 through 7, it said, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus responded. You, you notice how Jesus had a response. He had a response to everything. He had a response to, to the very things that was trying to come against Him in His life. You know, so we ask our very, our, ourselves the very same question. How are we responding to the temptation? How are we responding? Because in all three of these incidents, we'll see Jesus responded with the word. Jesus did not respond with his thoughts. Jesus did not respond with his opinions. Jesus responded solely on the truth. He responded on the truth because everything that the, that the devil speaks is a what? Is a lie. I think he says in John chapter 8, you know, he said that Satan is the father of lies. He couldn't tell the truth if he wanted to. He wears a mask and it's got lies written all over him. Let's continue here. And he said, you know, it said, the scripture says, you must not test the Lord your God. So if we look, if we look at what, what Satan had just said, Satan just quoted scripture. Satan brought scripture to him. He didn't twist it. He, 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 didn't, he didn't misconstrue it. He's, and here's what it says in Psalms 91, 11 through 12. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot. But we look back to what Jesus has said. But as we've studied in the past, we know that the Holy Spirit will never contradict the written word of God. Jesus said that it is also written that you must not test the Lord your God. I, I see two excerpts here. Excerpts is just important meanings. Two, two things that, that just really stood out to me here. You know, and point number one is this, is Jesus was again tested in the area of the lust of the eye. See, we're going back to something that, that Paul had wrote about the things that, that, we, that, we, that we suffer with, these things that we are also constantly in struggle with, that we're in strife with. Yeah, so Jesus was tested in the area with the lust of the eye. How majestic would it have been to have seen the entirety of all the temple? I mean, if you just think about just standing there at the temple, you see the inner gates, you see the outer gates, you see the holy place, you see the holy of holies, you see the, the, the place for, for the burnt offerings. You, you begin to see it all. So you were at a standpoint where you saw the whole picture and not just part of the picture. Sometimes if, if we could see the whole picture, how would we deviate from that? How would we deviate from that? So I want to look at a parable in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And it said, And the rich man replied, No father, Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. 
But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So he had to conquer this lust of the flesh here. I mean, I'm sorry, the lust of the eye because of what we see will sometimes trick us. Sometimes we think we see something. We see a mirage. We think we see something, but the reality is that it's another. And that's, and, and, and that's why Pastor James has, has started wearing reading glasses because, because sometimes the two words become one word. And, and I can't explain that, but, but anybody that, that has been experienced that or has experienced that knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, so, so sometimes our eyes will trick us, but there's a reality here. What we hear is what we hear. What we hear is what we hear. Faith and obedience to the leading of the Spirit is not what we see, but what we have been told. We can see the simplicity in 1 Kings with Elijah at the cliff of the mountain. God was, God was found in the whisper and not the manifestations. The church has camped at the manifestations of God and has failed to follow the continual instructions he gives. You know, and my mind kind of went back just a little bit, not to, not to be picking, but here's how it can become a reality with recovery, with CRH. You know, that some people get so focused on, on the manifestation of being recovered and being in the recovery process that they leave Jesus out of it. They came there to seek Jesus, but the reality is, is they got what they wanted from it and left Jesus behind. They walked, they walked forward, recovered, but they left Jesus there. And, 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 and that's the case for so many people in a lot of our situation. God, I want this job. Lord, would you please hand me this job? Lord, will you give me this vehicle? Lord, will you put money in the bank? You see, but when we begin to get these manifestations that God gives us, sometimes we leave God on the back burner. And he's not a genie that we rub the bottle and then we make a wish. And then when we're done with him, we put him back up. It's not like that. And so many people have, have uh, begun to dwell in that manifestation. Excuse me. Just like the children of Israel. What did Moses say to Pharaoh seven times? Let my people go that they may worship me. Where? In the wilderness. He never said anything about taking them to the promised land. See, they were so focused on a promise that they forgot about who the promiser were. You see, when see where did where did Moses meet Jesus? Where did where, I'm sorry, where, where did Moses? Where well, is Jesus? But where did Moses meet God at? He was at the burning bush, and and where did God want to bring His people to? He wanted to bring them to that burning bush. He wanted to, His people to meet Him. He wanted to have that relationship with them. But you know what happened? They lack the fear of God. They lack the fear of God. So God therefore gave us the Ten Commandments and proved that you cannot have a relationship with me by the way that you live. Your relationship with me is based off of who I am and not what you can do for me. You know, it's just like Paul has said, he says, it's not by works that any man should boast. It's not because of anything that we've done that, that, that we are saved. Now I don't want to get I don't want to, I don't want us to misunderstand the difference between justification and sanctification, because justification is just that. It's, he's just in what he does. It's just because he died for us that we're saved. It's just because he gave his blood for us and that he bore his stripes on his back that we're healed. You see, in sanctification, you see, justification was a part that he did. Sanctification is a part where we submit.
we move from the commitment and we move into being submitted to what God has called us to do, to live in that life that he's called us to live here. So, so what happened here was the very same thing with the children of Israel is that they wanted the promise, but they didn't want to meet the promiser. You know, so how often and how many times have we been in that boat? So, we, so we, we're going back to the same question again because I like to post the title. I like to post these questions that, that God entitles me is what are you hungry for? You see, we're hungry for something, but the reality is, is what are we hungry for? Um, uh, it, is, it is so much more important to listen to the voice of God rather than to seek the manifestation because the manifestation, you'll begin to camp out there and God will be moving on to wanting to do something else and you're still here waiting for Him to move and to, to manifest in the very same way. You know, see, you, the children of Israel wanted manna and they camped out at manna, but God was moving on to something else and not the manifestation. If we could, let's just move on here. Faith is what we believe and not what we see. Faith is what we believe and not what we see. So, so point number two here, the second excerpt that I found uh, uh, very familiar in this portion of Scripture was Jesus quoted... Uh, Jesus quoted the scripture in verse 7 is found in Deuteronomy's, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 6 and 16. You must trust the Lord your God. So, so, so Jesus went back to, I say he went back to Old Testament, but the reality is, is that was all there was, was Old Testament to speak and to quote from, to learn and to be educated on. So, so he went all the way back to the law. He went back to the law and he reminded Satan, what the law is. It says, you must not test the Lord your God here. But I want to point something else out that's just a little bit more important than what, well, not more important, but he, he, he just, he brought some revelation to Satan here, if we could. And, and let's look at this. You must not test the Lord your God. So what did he do? He reminded Satan that he is your God too. He is the one that you will bow a knee to. You are the one that you must confess because it said in the end, what will happen? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we've been given this opportunity that we do it now or we do it later. Either way, you're going to do it. And if you do it now, blessed is the man. If you do it later, uh, man, I, like Mr. Mr. T used to say, I pity the fool. <laughs> Oh, I got you on that one. Sorry about that, baby. She, she was drinking her a sip of water, and she just kind of remembered back in the days when, when Mr. T used to say that. He said, I pity the fool. <laughs> so, so we move on here. The final temptation or the testing that Jesus had to face was in Matthew 4, 8 through 10. And it reads like this. And it said, the ne the, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Here we go again. We begin to see the authority. We begin to see the frustration. We begin to say, hey, devil, I've already reminded you several times. Now listen to this. He said, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here we have the third 
and the final test that Jesus had to face during these 40 days and these 40 nights, you know, and it said that Jesus was hungry. Jesus was hungry. So I'm going to get to a point here in a minute. So Jesus faced the testing of the pride of life. The pride of life is to think of yourself as superior. One that is better than a, one, one that is the best or the better above all else. And that is exactly what Satan was offering Jesus. A throne that was never Satan's to give. It was a throne that was never Satan's to give. A place of lordship through pride. Jesus was swift to respond with this, with his authority over Satan. Get out of here, Satan. You know, so I want us to be reminded that we all have that same power. We all have that same authority that we speak to the devil. You know, we read in the book, in the book of James uh, earlier when we opened up, and I had no idea that I was even going to be reading James chapter 4, but it says there in one version, it says, Therefore submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we can see the very thing that Jesus had done here was that he was being submitted to God. He had submitted. He didn't say committed he said therefore submit yourself to god again i'm just going to preach just for a few more moments that we got to move beyond the commitment of i'm going to make sure i read my bible every day i'm going to make sure that i'm doing this you be committed you be committed don't let it just be words that come from my mouth but it comes from my heart and when it comes from my heart it becomes an action it's a manifestation of the reality of what we want to do Point number two, and as a reminder of who and what we are to worship, a worship of God and the Father of all majesty. Again, you know, he, he spoke with the authority. Get out of here, Satan. And again, he reminded Satan that you must worship the Lord your God. Again, he reminded Satan. So what did he do? Then that's exactly what we must do. Satan tries to remind us of so many things. He tries to entice us with so many things. But we got to remember to put him in his place. And it is not we that puts him in his place. It's the word of God that puts him in his place. And he already knows that his judgment is hell and the lake of fire. And if God changed his mind about us not fully serving him and being committed to him and not taking our cross and following him and allowing us to come into heaven, then he must do the very same thing for Satan. But Satan's already faced his judgment. He already knows what his judgment is. And everyone that follows along the same path. Because if we look back, Satan, he didn't even act upon nothing. He just thought it. He just thought that he could be like God. He thought that he could be like God. You see, our thinking process will get us in trouble. Again, that's why we spoke about earlier that Paul speaks to, to pull down every stronghold, or if we could say it in our language, pull down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, so if we think about what a stronghold is, a stronghold is like a wall, something that keeps things that's important to us in, but things that are not important to us, it keeps them out. So, so we are to fortify our hearts that, you know, what God has done for us here. So, so I, I want to take a small journey if I could, and I'm coming to a closing. And, and I want to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, because I, I want to show something here. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Let's just stop right there. 
that already shows us that God had created Satan. And if God created us, then what does that mean? You see, Satan was an angel. Matter of fact, he was, he was in charge of worship in heaven. He was the one that brought that sweet smelling aroma. And he thought because he magnified God so much that he could be like God. He's like, well, this is so good for God. Why can't it be good for me? But I'm not trying to hear put words in the scripture. Let's read on here, you know, that God had made. So one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Excuse me. Here, and I, 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 oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Then the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. If, if we look at this, you see, we just talked about the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, right? And we talked about how he went into the wilderness and to the dry place, the parched place, the lonely place, all by himself. And he, he had to face the very same things that God allowed Adam and Eve to face at the very beginning of their ministry as well. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. We can see these very same examples here in this story as well. You see, but what they didn't do was that they didn't follow what God had spoken. See, in Jesus, on the very opposite, on the very opposite of that spectrum, he gave God's word. You see, and the only word that they really had to give was, you see, Satan, Satan caused Eve to question God's heart, to question his loyalty. You see, as we see that Satan in the second temptation, that he also brought the scripture back to Jesus. But Jesus said that the word also says. So we got to be reminded. We've got to be reminded that can we, can we tell the difference between what is right and what's almost right? So let me, let me, I'll read from my notes here. Here we can see that Jesus did what Adam and Eve failed to do. They allowed the deceivers to be beguiled, uh, to beguile them to believe something that was almost truth, yet it lacked discernment. What are you hungry for? Jesus clearly stated that whosoever shall thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be filled. He didn't say that everyone that sits at the table would be filled. We must come thirsty and hungry for so much more than what the world has to offer us. So much more than what the world offers us. What are we hungry for? 
I know that during this week, if we've been fasting food or, or maybe it's just a, 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 a physical part, maybe it's a social media or maybe it's TV or maybe it's the news or maybe it's whatever it may be. You know, there's that part of us that says, hey, let me, you know, it won't hurt nobody. You know, and the reality is, is, is that's a fast but that's between you and God. And if you failed at your fast this week, you don't start over. You just pick back up where you left off and you continue to remain faithful in it. God knows your hearts. He knows your intention. So I'm not saying willfully break it, but if you break it, repent, move forward. Go forward. So this week, I know that there's been, there's been, uh, I've smelt steak cooking this week somewhere. Probably about every single day I've been somewhere. But this fast has been like none other for me. It's not enticed me. I've smelled it, but it did not make me desire it. Because, yeah, and my Dr. Pepper. And, and so what are we hungry for? You know, we've been, our flesh has been hungry for something this week. But we look at what it says in, in Matthew 4, cha uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It said, and he was hungry. Jesus fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. 40 days, and when, the reason why they say 40 days and 40 nights was to show a complete cycle. It was a complete cycle. They didn't just say 40 days. It said 40 days and 40 nights. He completed the cycle and said he, he was hungry. But yet all the while this was happening, he was being tempted. You see, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the devil's going to come to you. If he hadn't came to you this week, he's going to come. He's going to try to entice you. He's going to try to tempt you. What are you hungry for? Are we, are we hungry for the unadulterated Word of God? There's, there's no holes bars on this. Are we reading it for what it says? Are we reading the parts that we want it to say? This word right here will put us in check. And it's up to us if we become submitted to that. God wants to do something, but he can only do it if you allow him to it. He's a perfect gentleman. He will never force himself on anyone. So I want to close with this scripture here today. And I'm, I'm about on my minute mark here. Uh, it says I got eight minutes left, and I know I started it a little late, so uh, we're doing good here. So 2 Corinthians, I want to read. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. But didn't Peter say for a little while, though, right? For a little while? Okay, well, so, so Paul's confirming here that it, they won't last long. Yet they produce for us a glory that will vastly outweigh them and will last forever. So we, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You know, again, he's exemplifying faith here. You know, and if we have faith, faith is believing and knowing something that you've never seen. For the human part of us, it's hard for us to grasp our minds around that. But like Brother Welton said this morning about the worship that we was listening to beforehand, the worship here that's taking place, the world does not understand that. 
But you know, the reality is that he said that in the beginning that he created the man and the woman and he did what he believed, he breathed into their nostrils. He placed his spirit in us. And there's that capability for us to be everything that God has wanted us to be because he's put it in us. You know, when you take a fruit, you take an apple, when you cut it and you take the seed, you know that that seed has everything inside of it that that apple has. There's just two different stages there. And the only way that it can be everything that it was meant to be is to be planted in the good soil. Because Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower. He said that some will produce 30, some will produce 60, some will produce 100. So when we look at the reality of that, everything that God does, He does fully. He's not looking for 30% of serving Him. He's not looking for 60% of serving Him. Because if you look at that parable, those 60 and that 90 and that zero all faded away. They never became anything. They might have to start to look like they were going to do something, but they didn't remain. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. We must endure. We must remain. We must continue in to be planted in that good soil. And good soil, as I'm reminded, is broken soil. It must be broken. It must be fertile. So, I, I, again, I thank you all for being here with me today. Uh, I, I pray that the Lord has spoken to you in a way that he's desired to, that, that you heard the voice with inside of my voice and, and, and no glory or honor be brought to me. But I still want to continue to pose that question. I want, I want this to stick out in your spirit all week long. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the things that Satan has to offer you? Are you hungry for the word? Are you hungry to go deeper? Don't just sit at the table because food will be placed there. Sit at the table because you know that it will nourish your body. Hallelujah. Let us close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, we thank you that you have dwelled with us, Lord, here today. Lord, that as we just continue to bask in your presence, as we just continue in you, Lord, and all that you have for us today, Lord, as we move forward, Lord, from this day, Lord, into the next. As we continue this fast, as we continue, Lord, to walk in obedience, Lord, we stay reminded, Lord, of what are we hungry for. Help us, Lord, to dwell constantly upon you, Lord, and to dwell, Lord, in all the things that you desire for us, Lord. Bless, the, bless us as we part ways, Lord, here today that some will go here and some will go there. But, but nevertheless, Lord, be with us in everywhere that we go. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the food that you've brought us, Lord, here today. Lord, that it would be the nourishments, Lord, that our spirit man needs to grow. We thank you, Lord, for the revealed knowledge, Lord, that you've brought us, Lord, here today. Lord, bless it, Lord. Lord, because you've already said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, Lord, we just bless your name. We praise you. We glorify you. And we thank you in Jesus' name.